You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast, and today I am so excited to welcome Dr. Asherina Reem. She is a licensed clinical psychologist with training in maternal mental health, and she is the owner of Psyched Mummy on Instagram and her website. Today we are discussing mummy rage and anger. I don't know about you, but I have three kids, and I've had my fair share of angry moments where I just, you know, need to walk away or I'm about to blow steam out of my ears. And we explore in this interview whether that is common, what is normal and abnormal in terms of the level of anger. We share a little bit about our personal experiences and stories postpartum and also talk about some ways to manage and work through this mummy anger and mummy rage. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Asherina, thank you so much for being here. I've been following you on on Instagram for some time now, and I just absolutely love the content you create and the way that you support moms, especially in that perinatal postpartum period. And I'm just so happy to have you here. So thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I would love to, for the listeners and even for myself, to get to know a little bit more about your story. I understand you are a psychologist, and if you want to let us know a little bit about your training and also how you came to specialize in this field and and how you became so passionate about it. Yeah, so before having my son, um, I was, I mean, I've always been a clinical psychologist, um, so I received my doctorate degree several years ago, and I had been working with... Uh, various populations. So whether it was with eating disorders, health psychology, um, just general psychology, uh, cognitive issues, whatever it may be, I've worked kind of all over the place. And then I had my son and my focus definitely shifted because I felt after I had my son, it was the first time I really, really, really truly believed that I could connect with my patients on a whole nother level because I was experiencing so many different emotions that I didn't even know I could experience postpartum. Mm-hmm. So that really shifted my focus. Um, I became interested in exploring maternal mental health or you know perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, whatever we want to call it. Um, and I started mm-hmm. exploring that a bit more and um, doing all the training I needed to do to get connected because I felt like now I had this real firsthand experience of, I mean, not only was I a psychologist and I knew how to help people, but I had this personal experience of, um, Hey, this isn't what I expected it to be. And, um, I feel like that needs to be talked about a bit more. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I've had this 
um, like this conversation with my supervising psychologist on many occasions because I've been working in the same practice for about 10 years, like a group private practice now. Yeah. I started there in my early to mid 20s and I was like, I want to see all the parents and I want to see all the couples and all this stuff. And I was fresh out of school, right? Like totally yeah. zealous. And until you become a parent, until you become a mother, and you have the day in and day out responsibilities and you ride the waves of emotion and the exhaustion and the postpartum and all these other personal experiences, not that you don't have the training, but having the level of understanding being in it day in and day out. Like I went back and apologized to my supervisor after the fact and said, you know, I know you told me I was a little zealous and, and you're right. There's no way I could have understood the day in and day out right. in those early years the way that I do now, right? Just a completely different perspective. It really is. I actually reflect quite a bit on the moms I used to see before I became a mom myself. And as much as I felt like I am a psychologist and I'm trained, I didn't have, in my perspective, I didn't have the um, knowledge that I needed to really meet them where they were at. And I don't think I had the training. I mean, because I do believe that there is additional training that go, that needs to happen in order to serve this population. And I feel like there's so many things I wish I could go back and change and people that I could talk to and say, you know what, now I really understand. And I'm sorry if I gave you um, mm -hmm. misinformation or if I didn't guide you the way that you needed to be guided. And now it's like, now I'm on a mission to reach as many women and families as possible because of that experience I had that I'm like, I need to reach out to everybody so that no one feels mm -hmm. alone, that no one feels unheard. And they all, you know, get that support that they need. Yeah, I feel that so deeply. Like, I really understand where you're, like, you think back on those early days and you're like, oh, if I could have just said or done this differently with this family or whatever, right? It's all, it's the uncomfortable part of the learning process, but we all start somewhere and it's such a hard, you know, thing to wrestle with in our field, I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate too having specialized training in this field. Like I am just going through the PSI certificate, the maternal mental health certificate. And so few people in the mental right. health field that I work with even know that it's like a specialty, like a thing that you should have some really, you know, specialized focus training in. So the the recognition for it now and people right. seeing the need for moms to be validated and heard and supported through this time, it's all been focused on baby. It's all been focused on baby's development and, you know, when to introduce solids and baby sleep and baby care and not focused on mom. And I'm so thankful that there's this wave of practitioners and, right. and specialists coming in to hold mom up and hold some space for her. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So here today, I'm interested and I see this topic float around a lot and I've had lots of clients talk about it is this idea of mummy rage, like just getting so frustrated and angry. And it seems ad abnormal. It's out of character. Weren't really kind of ragey or angry maybe before kids or before like the postpartum period or something. So I'd love to just have an open dialogue about this today. Kind of starting with, is mummy rage even a common thing? Is this something that you've heard much about? Yes. Yeah, so rage well, we don't, I don't know that uh, providers are talking about it. It's not like you go to see your OB. I mean, you might, but I don't know that many people are going to see their, their providers and, you know, being warned or cautioned or even monitored or asked about rage. So postpartum rage is, I mean, it does occur. It's a symptom of something greater, whether it's postpartum depression or anxiety. A lot of moms will 
describe their experience as being more irritable. I mean, I think we expect that women are going to be depressed and they are going to be weepy and sad and isolated, but that might not be the case for everybody. They may be more agitated, more irritable, set off really easily. And that can be out of character for them. So it comes, it's scary. But I think another thing that's really important is that it it can be very embarrassing Mm -hmm. and shameful. I mean, what mom wants to say, you know, I've been snapping all the time and I'm yelling or I am, you know, I, I don't even know how to control or manage this anger and I don't know where it's coming from. It, it's a very scary thing to talk about and it can be very, like I said, very shameful. So we might not be sharing with our providers, with our support groups, with our family members or our partner, because it's something that, you know, moms should be right, tender and loving and responsive. And when you say, I'm flying off the handle and I don't know why, that kind of goes against everything that we think we should be. Absolutely. We're supposed to be the nurturer. We're supposed to be the one that's meeting all of our child's emotional needs. And how dare we raise our voice or get irritated sometimes, right? Right. I've been pretty open about I had some postpartum with my third and it's so strange because as a practitioner, I know all of the signs and symptoms. You would think that I would have all of the tools and skills in which I know a lot of them. But like you said, this postpartum of mine manifested in really low energy, like could hardly get up and Mm -hmm. shower and like an irritability that you wouldn't even believe. Like I didn't even, there was nothing wrong, you know, but I just couldn't handle little things coming my way. And I let it ride for like a few days because I knew the signs and and symptoms. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm just tired. I'll get some rest. And I did some self-care things and I just couldn't shake it. And I can see how that left untreated or with a lack of awareness about those being some of the symptoms of postpartum, how you can really get stuck in patterns and and the shame can just compound on itself. And, you know, you can end up in a pretty challenging spot. Right. Uh, the, the symptom, if, if a mom is presenting with that rage or irritability and it does go untreated, it can put her at risk for prolonged, you know, postpartum anxiety or depression. That together with the other symptoms kind of exacerbate the experience. And like I said, it is fairly scary. There's a a particular situation that comes to my mind of my own experience. I remember it like it was yesterday, probably because it was really off for myself. My son was really colicky and it made it very challenging to be a mom in those early days. And he struggled with sleep. And I struggled with sleep because he struggled with sleep. And I remember I was doing all of the things that I was told to do, right? Mm -hmm. I swaddled him. The room was the, you know, perfect temperature. It was dark. Um, I am shushing and swaying and doing all of the things that I was told that I needed to do. And I would have this sleeping baby. And when he wouldn't sleep, I was getting, I could feel myself getting so worked up that I had to set him down in his bassinet. I set him down his best night. He was screaming and I had to walk out of the room and go into the next room. And I was like scream crying. And I thought to myself, who am I? Mm -hmm, I feel like a monster. mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I can't even tend to your needs. I'm getting mad at you because you're not doing something I think you should be doing. Um, which I think that goes in. That's a whole nother conversation about expectations. Oh yes. Yeah. But I just remember feeling like, I don't feel like myself. And I remember that irritability and I remember like being snappy. And for me, it was often like sleep related, Mm -hmm. but I knew that I needed 
I needed more support than I was receiving and there was something else that was going on for me. Yeah. And one of the posts that you have put on Instagram that has stuck with me when I saw it was like a mom saying, I don't feel like myself is her waving her her flag. You right. know, like that is a sign that mm-hmm. like don't take it lightly, don't dismiss it ask, inquire, get support, get help. And I uttered those exact words to my husband. And I was just like, I don't, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not me. This is not me. I don't feel like myself. And we were both aware and we talked about it. And I think that's the one sort of advantage I had as a practitioner is just the awareness of the symptoms to, to be proactive when I started to feel that way. But yeah, just that, that those words, I don't feel like myself. If you uttered them, if you've uttered them, if you hear mommies, you know, in your group say those words, start to ask them, you know, if they need some support, look up some resources in your area or try to share just in a non-judgmental, compassionate way, right? Yes. And it's not even just other moms or spouses or partners or whatever it is. I oftentimes hear about moms who go to talk to their provider and say, I don't feel like myself and their provider will dismiss them or you know, say, well, this is just the baby blues or this, you know, can be due to X, Y, Z, or you're not sleeping. And I think that we do a disservice as a provider when we are dismissive because it makes moms feel invalidated. And it's really important to listen, that we're truly listening to hear. And if we don't understand something, knowing where our level of competence lies, asking more questions if we need more information, but uh, not being so dismissive because I think there are a lot of practitioners out there with, I mean, great intentions, but can do harm when they are uh, doing that and, you know, saying, okay, well, this is probably due to X, Y, or Z and not what you're saying. Oh, I, yeah, I hear that so much. And I, I actually had a similar experience when I went to my doctor and was like, this is what I'm feeling. And, you know, oh, but you just, you need more help. You've got three, three and under, you're sleep deprived and you're whatever. And I'm like, like, no, I, I'm, I'm boldly telling you now at this point, I'm advocating for myself. This is not me, you know? So for someone who isn't feeling strong enough to, to advocate so directly with their practitioner you know, it's, yeah, we're doing a disservice. And I, now I'm like so passionate about in our region, there's no really support for, there's no support for maternal mental health at all, really. Wow. So like not specialized care anyways, that I'm aware of. There's like one other practitioner that I've connected with, but like, it's my mission now to create something within our practice and something in the region that moms know about, like with all the other lactation services and baby support services. And, you know, that there's this mom's mental health, this mom service that will create space for whole moms, validate their experience, uh, you know, walk them through, guide them, whatever they need, right? Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. So I'm so curious, this is a little bit of like a sidestep, but like day to day, are you in private practice then working with moms? I know that you do some research. I feel like you just have lots of different roles. So I I feel like I do. <laughs> I'm sure. As soon as you become a mom, you have like, you know, you need 10 arms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to be um, in this place that I'm in. I used to work uh, full time seeing 30, you know, five patients a week, um, back to back therapy sessions oh, wow, and yeah. doing mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. And when I had my son, I scaled back quite a bit. I work, yeah, I do. I work in research. I am a rater for research, but I also do, I offer therapy services for really anyone, but primarily for 
mothers. You obviously don't have to be experiencing postpartum uh, mood disorders or, you know, perinatal mood disorders. However, that's primarily what I see. So present in the present moment, I'm doing a lot of virtual therapy Neat. because why not? Mm-hmm, um, and it makes, it makes it really um, convenient especially for moms who are experiencing anxiety or have a lot to juggle, whether it's, you know, trying to find childcare, trying, whatever it may be, this offers them a, a, you know, a different approach to treatment where they are able to see me from the comfort of their own home. Um, They can have their child with them. They can be nursing in the middle of a virtual therapy session. And I I find that it works and it's helpful. And I'm also kind of in the process of creating an in-person, like a live uh, group, a support group. And just the logistics of doing that can be challenging. So yeah, I'm doing a a little bit of everything right now. Yeah. And what we'll do is we'll put all of your information in the show notes so that if anyone wants to find you or track you down or work with you, that they have access to you. I think one of the biggest requests that I've had from people in my audience and online is a, like an online group for moms somehow. You know, right. and I've been playing with this idea and toying with it a little bit. But like you said, it's not the easiest thing to facilitate when you're talking virtual and in a group and different things like that. But moms, because of their crazy schedules and nap schedules and all the things, really right. tend to gravitate towards online support and programs. So I think that's amazing that Absolutely. you're doing that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's like a whole thing. I think that the difficulty for, everybody is, you know, every I'm licensed in the state of Arizona. So as a licensed psychologist in the U S you have to be licensed in every single state that you're going to be seeing patients. So it's not like I can, you know, see people globally and offer support. And and I also have to follow the rules of ethics. So I have an ethical standard I have to uphold. And sometimes the virtual stuff, like especially the group, and I don't know where there's like there's boundaries that I have to make sure that are in place before I offer a service. And I always want to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm upholding those ethics and those boundaries. Yeah. This is a whole topic for another day, but this is something that I've been also thinking and talking a lot about with other practitioners is that like within your licensing, it would be so nice to have some sort of agreement where you can be within the States, at least within the States where, you know, within the USA, like in the States to be able to treat in all the various states, like here provinces, being able to treat in Ontario and BC and whatever, have some sort of agreement because it is very limiting. And what's happening is you're seeing practitioners pop up in like coaching online and different, different sort of means to not sidestep, but to also offer valuable resources and consultation to people who aren't necessarily in their state or in their province, right? So I've actually been listening to Dr. Cassidy's Holding Space podcast about some of these topics. And um, hopefully that changes. Hopefully care can become more accessible, even within your country, across the various states. I feel like the, the policies and things are just having a hard time keeping up with the rate that technology and, you know, things are changing. And also they are there to protect the public and how, you know, they're going to roll things out in a way that they feel, yeah, safe about and confident about and those types of things. So I see the dilemma. So I see that you're treating people within just those states, but then also you see a lot of practitioners offering really valuable resources like e-courses and kind of self-help 
resources so that they can do the work themselves and not be operating outside of their state as well. So yeah, lots of, lots of ways to add value other than one-on-one, but one-on-one, obviously, depending on your needs and where you're at is the ultimate way to really get into the therapy process. So Right. Yeah. So, okay. When it comes to mommy rage, we talked about, it's kind of more of a symptom possibly of postpartum or uh, maybe lack of support, sleep deprivation, other things going on. Is it something that you would say is common? I mean, it depends on what, where we're talking about and what we're talking about. That's, uh, it's hard to say, you know, what's common. Cause I, from my experience, I, I don't know that there are statistics on the prevalence of rage, the symptom in particular, mm-hmm. um, r- rather than, you know, you can go through, how, you know, what is the incidence of postpartum anxiety or depression and the research will demonstrate that and postpartum.net um, or postpartum support international has that published. However, just the incidence of the rage, I don't know that that has been published anywhere personally. Mm-hmm. I know that quite a few moms will report that. I mean, even if you go on social media and if you post something about it, you'll see how moms will chime in. And I think the difficulty about this and kind of quantifying this or whatever we want to say is that people don't know that that is necessarily a symptom of a perinatal mood disorder. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about it, they'll say, I didn't even know that was a thing, but I do know that when I had my child... I felt really irritated and angry and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought I was going crazy. So it's not, it's really hard for a couple of things. Moms don't even know that it exists and providers are not asking the appropriate questions to identify Mm -hmm. it. So it makes it really difficult to know that there's an issue if no one's talking about the issue. Right. And it's, I don't know if it's a matter of whether it's common or not as much as how when you talk about it, it resonates with people, right? So it gets shared a lot. It gets talked about a lot. Those posts go somewhat viral or whatever, if you will, because it just gives words to somebody's experience, right? And it it may not speak to like the prevalence, like you said, or how common it is, but it does speak to the fact that being open about it, especially as a practitioner, but as a mom to a mom, gives words to and helps people feel seen and recognized when we talk about these symptoms. Okay, so when we're talking about how we deal with mommy rage, what would be some kind of practical tips or things that we could work towards? I think of mostly anything. And when we're talking about symptoms, it's exploring that symptom. We can say like, okay, if you're, you know, it, it would be simple to just say if you're having, you know, if you're having sleep deprivation, just go sleep. But with something like this, when a mom is reporting being irritable or experiencing anger or rage or whatever it may be, that kind of, we're just scratching the surface with what's going on. And this to me is like, I, I think I created a post. I don't know. I, I'm not saying I think I did. I created a post <laughs> a little while back that said, you know, symptoms are signals. They tell us something. They're telling a story. And we need to, it's up to us to really explore what that is. And if I'm feeling irritable more often than not, I need to figure out what in my life is off. So often, like if I'll give you an example and I'll describe it that way. If it's like I am snapping at my husband every time he leaves a dish out or whatever it is, it's not about the dish, Mm -hmm. right? It's not about he didn't do something. There is an underlying feeling that I'm experiencing that maybe I am not communicating, or maybe I don't even have the awareness 
but it's up to us to kind of dig a little deeper and figure out what that is. Is there a sense of resentment? Do we feel like there is an imbalance in the responsibilities in our home? Do we feel isolated? Mm -hmm. Are we feeling a lack of support? Do we feel unheard or do we feel dismissed often by the people in our lives? Do we have a high needs child that maybe we need more support with, but we're not asking for it? Um, There could be a number. This is really limitless, but it's up to us to understand what that is. What is causing the tension in our lives? What is causing that irritability or triggering, triggering that irritability and then tending to whatever that is. So we really have to figure out what it is and then figure out what the supports are that we need to put in place to kind of relieve some of that tension. I've really been leaning into ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy lately and mm-hmm. learning more about it. But for this purpose, like we don't need to judge the fact that we're ragey or, you know, frustrated or irritable. We don't need to try to avoid it or push it away. If we just like sit with it for a second and say, what the heck is going on here? Right? Like if you just Mm -hmm. stop and look at it and, and inquire, like, what, what is my body trying to tell me? What is it I need? And just kind of honor and listen to that thing, that symptom and what it's communicating to us. Then we're not in this inner struggle and turmoil and and judging ourselves. We go into a sort of a proactive brainstorming, like, what is it I need? And what, like, what is my body or whatever telling me and advocating for in this moment? You know, right. I need support from my husband or I need for my partner to get up in the middle of the night with the baby so that I can get some rest or I need whatever. And then we go into more of a problem solving mode rather than just like a fighting and tension with ourselves. you know? Absolutely. No, that's that's completely accurate. I think we often do place that judgment on ourselves and especially with this, you know, like that feeling of, wow, I am, you know, I'm going to use something I hear a lot. I'm a monster. I'm a monster for feeling this way. And no one's going to understand me. Or um, a lot of moms will say, I don't know why I'm experiencing this. And that's because they're maybe are not comfortable or familiar with doing that self-exploration. That takes a little bit of work. And I know, I mean, I, I feel like it's fairly easy for me because I'm a psychologist and I right. do this all day right. long with people. Right. I do this with my husband. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, we're working on X. Well, tell me more about that kind of thing all day long. So it's just really important to start getting familiar with yourself, your needs when you need a break. It can be something as simple as just taking a break that will help relieve some of that pressure and that tension. Yeah. And I'm thinking about it as you're talking, like what was it in those early moments that I really needed? You know, like when I was in Mm -hmm. that you know, fresh newborn stage, lack of sleep, obviously we all need sleep and sleep is something that, you know, our world revolves around with a newborn, but isn't always realistic to get. And I had support and I had many things. And I think that for some people, if they are going through like a very serious postpartum depression or anxiety, uh, many of their needs may even be met and they may still have these feelings as well, right? So I I think there is problem solving and getting the support. And then there's also going to be, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yes. You know, what complicates things, and I think there's another level to this, is that if you're experiencing both postpartum depression and anxiety, there's a couple of levels to this. So when, when someone's depressed, oftentimes we tell them to get the supports they need, right? Become more active, take breaks, do all these things. But that requires 
relying on other people. And, um, often if someone is experiencing anxiety, the last thing they want to do is rely on other people. So now Mm -hmm. they're kind of in this catch 22 where I'm feeling, you know, down and I know I need to take care of myself, but the thought of doing those things causes me great anxiety. And I think it's going to be really important to seek the support you need. Cause obviously I can only provide so much education on, you know, for example, Instagram, but it takes a real exploration that can be done with a professional to figure out what are some realistic things to do, but also exploring that a bit deeper, you know, whether it's cognitively or it's mindfully with your body and realizing what is it that I need to do. It's not just, you know, tasks like go out and get your nails done or something like that. It's going to be much deeper than that kind of approach to helping yourself relieve that pressure, that tension. I, and I'm thinking back on my own experience and I'm going to be honest with you every time this, this is might sound crazy to some and very relatable to others, but every time I see a newborn, I don't like, Oh, that's so cute. That's not my experience. And my husband and I are both in the same boat because it was so hard for Mm -hmm. us. Um, for a number of reasons, you know, the needs of my son are, a lot of grief. I think it was a very big transition for us. And it was like a dark, a very dark time. And I remember, I can, I have memories of days just like in my brain, ingrained in my brain and what they looked like. And I think part of that irritability or that transition that we don't talk enough about that causes that sense of overwhelm is the grief we experience we were the most spontaneous people mm-hmm. before having a child. Like, I mean, let's get up and go. One night at 10 p.m., I shared this long, long ago on my feed. Um, 10 p.m., my husband looked at me and he goes, it was actually before we became married. And he looked at me and he goes, let's go to Vegas and let's get married. We packed up one bag, put it in, you know, the car, jumped in the car. And oh my drove. goodness. <laughs> we're, we're in Arizona. You know, we drove there. I'm going to, you know, not, not to draw that assault. We didn't get married there. (laughs) I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't commit to it, but we were just those people, you know, we did whatever. And, um, that was something we didn't prepare ourselves for. It's like, we, we thought we had this expectation that we would have a child and we would just pick up and go like we were. And it wasn't like that. And that doesn't make us, you know, hate our experience. That doesn't make us resentful and hateful it just was a really challenging time. And I think that we don't pay enough attention to that grief and that, um, the sadness that we experience that sense of loss. And when it just goes untreated and unsaid, and it just tends to build up inside of us. And sometimes that can look like rage that can look like irritability. Yeah, And when it is communicated, one of the things that I often find is that it's met with this sort of like toxic positivity. Like, and I've done a post on this on my Instagram recently as well. Like, you know, oh my goodness, I have so many things to do. I have to get, like, I have three boys. I have to rotate all of their clothes. They all have grown up a size. I need to go shopping. I need to do, and like the list just goes on and on and on, right? And vocalizing Mm -hmm. some of the weight that you carry or the grief of, letting go of who you were before having kids and you vocalize these things. And then you're met with comments like, but you love your kids, right? Like, aren't you so glad to be a mom? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, then (laughs) the shame and the guilt sets in and you're like, 
Well, yeah, like I'm obviously I'm not saying that I don't love my child. Like I just simply don't enjoy the tasks or the tasks can be overwhelming or like I miss date nights with my husband or, you know, mm-hmm. and and then the the shame and the grief just kind of causes people to retract away from having those kinds of conversations because I don't know. There's just not space for them sometimes, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. I had a a similar experience recently where I was actually sharing this with somebody that I don't even know that the very well, we were just acquaintances and um, we were just discussing motherhood. And I, I shared with her how motherhood can be really confusing because there's, there are so many instances where I absolutely am in love with this you know, role. And then there's so many instances where I feel like I don't love this role. And I shared that with uh, this woman and she looked at me like I was speaking a completely different language. And she said, really? And it was like this look of disgust on her face. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm giggling about it because I have the resources to manage that. But I, if I didn't, and someone shut me down like that or invalidated my experience that way, I could have been in a dark place. But really for me as a psychologist who's, you know, has the insight about this, I was annoyed and frustrated for all of the moms out there that deal with this day in and day out, not just from acquaintances, but from their own family members, from, you know, their spouses, their partners, their friends, their relatives, whoever, people they encounter in public who do that, who who invalidate them and make them feel small because you're supposed to love every minute. And that's, that's so damaging. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm so happy that we're having this conversation and bringing it in as a part of this mommy rage or irritability, because if you have to constantly stifle those feelings, you know, and not feel like you can share them, the, like moms who had take years off. I did three consecutive mat leaves out of my career, you know, that I trained uh-huh. seven, eight years in school for to raise colicky babies or have three babies back to back and and just not be recognizable by the time it was over. You know, like nothing about my life was the same, very little about me and and what I was doing day to day and my interests and all of those things was the same. And one of the things I talk about for this podcast is helping to go through this metamorphosis of motherhood because yes, we birth a baby, but we as people go through a transformation like no other as moms. And that transformation and what's going to happen inside of you is rarely discussed. You go through all of these like Lamaze classes and breathing and how to bring baby into the world safely. And Uh no one prepares you for the psychological roller coaster that you're about to go through in, you know, birthing and becoming a mom. Oh my goodness. You're speaking to my soul because (laughs) I was just telling somebody about, I took a class before I, I had my son, I took this class at the hospital and it was like um, preparing, it was like child and it was like a, a whole series of classes. Well, one of them was um, <laughs> teaching you how to bathe the baby. And there was like, it was like 12 <laughs> steps. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, it was like 12 steps to bathing a baby with cotton balls and how you wipe them across their eyelids and all these things. You know, but me, I was a first time mom and I was pregnant, never had a baby, never took care of a baby. So I was like thinking to myself, okay, this is valuable information. And then 
I walked out of there, had my son, I, I never used not one of those tools, not one. And all I thought was how silly it was for you to prepare me for all those things when I wish somebody would have talked to me about how to take care of me, you know, how to nurture myself, how to show myself grace, how to be okay. And, um, it was so silly. We joke now about this cause I feel like we've made it to the other side where things have changed and, you know, obviously life can get better. And my husband says now, he says, you know what they should do at the hospital for those classes? They should do like Navy SEAL training where they just <laughs> keep you up all night long. <laughs> so funny. They could just keep you up all night long and then make you work the whole next day, like operate heavy machinery. And I'm like, that's very true. That's kind of what it's like, right? You just like tape your eyelids open and make you function the next day. Yeah. Like, oh, so funny. But it's true. Like I spent nine months preparing for what labor was going to be like. Uh huh. And I had no idea like 0%, like no information, nothing. From the Mm -hmm. time I got home onward, I was clueless what I was getting myself into. And like, there's nothing, and I know that nothing can truly like actually prepare you for motherhood. Like everybody says that, right? But hello, I would have liked a little like, um, just be prepared that you're going to feel this way and this is what's normal and this is what's not normal. Right. And if you cross over into this, mm, you know, this is kind of debatable, speak to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. This is who you speak to about it because they're the ones who are equipped to validate and help you through your experience. You know, like where was the manual or the book? That helped with my birth into motherhood and this experience. And that's really where my passion has come from. And obviously now I'm through the other side. My last baby is now just over one. So I've got three under the age of four. And I have, along with growing with them, just totally had to dig deep inward and go through this journey of self-discovery and healing and transformation and all the rest of it, but also coming at the other side with a huge passion to advocate for women and maternal mental health and women's wellness because I just see the gaping hole or gap in our system that, that isn't there to support moms. Oh my goodness. Yes. And there's so many levels to that. I even think about like a, just a simple follow-up with moms. Why are we waiting six weeks? And that's what we do in the U S I don't know what it's like in Canada, but six weeks to see a mom. And I think that's a long, that's too long. And we're not following up. You know, you see, you go to your six week appointment. If you're doing good, it's like, I'll see you in a year. And we're following up. Obviously the pediatrician um, appointments are very frequently and we want to check on their development, but where is the follow-up for mothers? We do such a disservice because no one is talking about anything. No one's checking on mom and it just gets lost in the system. And who is mom going to talk to? It's like, we don't even know. I mean, I'm a psychologist and my, um, no, my, my pediatrician never talked to me about any of this stuff. I'm sorry. My, my OB never talked to me about any of this stuff. I didn't know. And, um, right. And if I weren't a psychologist and I did not know about these resources, I would, I mean, how would I have ever found out? 
and I mean, I guess you could rely on Instagram, right? Because that's the only place I feel yeah. like people are talking about it. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. And then I leave this like world of Instagram and I go like to the office or network with other colleagues or professionals. And like this isn't on anybody's radar, you know, but there is this community building on Instagram, this really like authentic group of of moms who are like hungry for this information and of practitioners who are kind of like stepping into this gap, right? And I know that Instagram isn't therapy, but what a valuable resource. And I've connected with so many, like including yourself and so many other amazing practitioners that I learn from and feel connected through this app. Like it's so, it's so I funny. Know it. Instagram. I know. It's like <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a step back then. Uh, what okay. I'm hearing is that Mommy rage is complicated. There are many variables and levels to it. There are things like our own expectations and the myths of motherhood going into like this transition of motherhood. There is support. There is our level of adjustment to motherhood, like whether we've got baby blues or postpartum. Right. There's this whole grief of who we were before and now having to adjust to what life looks like with a little dependent human and that we can't you know, who we were before and who we are now, yes, it's still the same, but it looks very different, right? Mm -hmm. So there are so many pieces that contribute to this mummy rage that it sounds like some of the uh, sort of advice or practical takeaways are one, to lean in and explore the feeling. Like don't just, don't just like eat it away. Don't just drink rosé all day or whatever mm-hmm. the, you know, mentality is and don't just run from it, but like listen to the symptom and what it's telling you. Sounds like kind of number one takeaway. Right. And to seek out someone to process it with. Like there is so like I can't understate the value of seeing a therapist and working this through because they are the ones that are are trained to explore it with you and to really tailor, like you had said, those things to your journey and what you need, right? So those self-care things, those uh, working through the thinking patterns and all the different levels, adjusting expectations, all of that comes in a tailored plan to you when you're working with a psychologist or a therapist. So if you're really struggling, that would be sort of the second place to go. Is there anything else we want to add to some of those practical takeaways? Well, another thing, I know that one of the common things that I receive as for feedback is that a lot of people cannot um, either afford therapy or treatment, or they don't have they don't have the resources. They don't have the means for a, like a number of reasons. And I will add that I just want to give – I mean, I know that this might be kind of going a little off, but I want to be sure that this is discussed because it's important. Um, so postpartum.net offers virtual support groups. And uh, they offer on their site, you can have access to a number of free resources. So they'll list providers, whether it's in your area that are offering free support groups, but they also offer virtual support groups. Uh, Another thing, because people will tell me, you know, I I can't afford any of the therapists individually that are listed on their site or whatever it may be. I always suggest looking into uh, free resources, whether it's at a local hospital, they often have postpartum uh, support groups and that's a place to start. But if you look at your local uh, universities or colleges, and I don't know if they do this in Canada, but in the U.S. they do, our, my, the, my training university that I attended offers very low-cost therapy services. So if you're going to go to a school that offers a college of psychology or counseling or whatever it may be, 
they likely offer these resources at either a low or no cost. So you might want to look into some of those resources to get connected with therapy. And I think that that can be very valuable and that can be very helpful in working through some of those experiences that uh, people report. So that's something I want. Yeah, that's really helpful. And postpartum.net also has a hotline that you can call. Right. And I know that in Canada and in the region where I am, there are several different crisis or counseling hotlines that you can call as well. So I think it's so valuable to share those resources because regardless of where you are at in terms of your ability to get out of the house and receive resources or financially, there is support in your region, right? Typically in your area, whether it's like you said, through the hospitals, we have city run counseling centers that will do like a sliding scale based on income. We also have in the colleges and in universities, those clinics that are run by students or PhD students, like you said, that are at affordable rates. So there are resources and seek them out, Google them. And the hotline is always there for those crisis moments. If you're really, you know, having an evening where baby is colic and you just not getting any sleep and you need to talk to somebody, there are crisis hotlines and things as well. So I will do my best to link as many of those resources as I can, definitely postpartum.net and a few others in the show notes to direct you guys to be able to at least find some resources in your area. And yeah, and also to link to Dr. Reem and any any other uh, of her resources as well. So I'm just taking all of this in, and I am so grateful that you came to spend your time with us today. All of these things just touched my heart so deeply. I feel like we share such a similar passion and message when it comes to helping moms find the support that they need. And I just appreciate you being here. And I thank you so much for being transparent and for your expertise and for your passion and what it is, you know, the advocating that you're doing for women. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. As always, I'm so happy and grateful that I can share this space with you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Quick question for you. Have you joined our Facebook community yet? Head to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother. You can join our private community and connect with like-minded supportive moms. If you're looking for any of the resources that were discussed in today's episode, you can head on over to our show notes. All the links to the resources and all the contact information for our amazing guest will be there. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode. And if you can't wait until the next episode to connect with me, I'll be hanging out over on Instagram at underscore happy as a mother. I'll see you right back here for the next episode.